When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Monday, July 17th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds, hot and humid today. High 88 tonight, overnight, partly cloudy low 75 and then tuesday it'll be sun to start the day then scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon high 86 if you're walking out the door with us right now it is 72 and partly cloudy in new square up in rockland county 70 cloudy in hackettstown down in new jersey and it is 73 and foggy actually here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. I did one of those really stupid things that you sometimes do and regret the moment you did it. This was on Friday. A long time friend of mine who's been in the news business for like a hundred years, just like I have been, is up for this incredible job. I mean, a fantastic gig. And I guess the last couple parts of this in the final rounds is they want recommendations from people who've known him for a substantial amount of time. So very nicely, he reached out to me and he said, hey, can you do this for me? Can you write a recommendation? And I said, hey, I'd be honored to, of course. So I actually spent some time because, again, this is a huge gig that he could land. And I banged out this thing on Friday afternoon, and he gave me the email to send it to, who was some corporate head at this company. (laughs) I still can't believe I did this. So I banged this whole thing out, and I look at it, and I even show it to my wife, and she goes, that's really well written. I said, okay. So uh, she checks it for grammar, because that's always my downfall. She says, everything looks perfect. Hit the send button, button, send it off to him. And then I open up another email to send to my friend and I say a very colorful language of email where I say, you know, I made up all these lies about you. Uh, uh, everybody knows you're really a loser. And, you know, I just because it's a longtime friend of mine, I, I lied through my teeth talking about how great you are. And then to my friend, who I think I'm sending it to my friend, you know where this is going. I hit the send button. And in that moment, I realized that I have sent not just the recommendation to this corporate head at this major entertainment company, but now I've sent the second email meant for my friend where I tell him that I've lied in the recommendation and that he's a complete loser. I've sent it to the same person. I'm like, oh, my God. And so now I have to call up my friend. I tell him what happened. He's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe I did that. So I'm on pins and needles uh, thinking, am I going to ever hear back from this guy? Thank God, Friday evening at about 7.30, I have a beer in my hand out with some friends. I get an email from this corporate head at this major entertainment company. And he writes this hysterical email. He knows I, And he realized what had happened in that moment. 
and uh, he thought it was very funny, and he said, don't worry, <laughs> it'll have no bearing on your friend. We know your first recommendation was the real one. The second one was meant for your friend. I was like, oh, thank God. But uh, everybody's had that moment. I can't remember ever having that moment before. But that was a bad one. Thankfully, it seems like it'll work out for my friend. He might get this gig. And I'll, I'll tell you when he does because it's a super-duper gag. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The weekend storms delay flights and flood streets. Police search for a storage facility now that may have been used by the alleged Gilgo Beach killer. Mayor Adams set to announce his next police commissioner. Ron DeSantis laying off campaign workers. Hollywood studios seem to be in no rush to make a deal with actors. All right, let's get into it. 504, we'll start right here in the tri-state. Those torrential downpours yesterday. For some people, it started on Saturday. Flash flooding again. It was raining on and off throughout the day. I mean, really, if you were heading to the beach or doing something summery, your day was ruined. Uh, if you were at the airports trying to get somewhere on vacation or for your friends who were trying to get back home, it was a disaster, too. These people had long delays at Newark yesterday. flight was supposed to leave at 7. It didn't leave until, like, 1. We were stuck in Panama, and we finally made it. See if we could get there to Miami and um, jump on that cruise and celebrate his birthday. If not, then we still going to rock out like rock stars. Now, right? the FAA had told us last year they had worked out all the kinks that caused so many travel nightmares last year. Now, a lot of the travel stuff is weather-related. We just have had this bizarre weather pattern we've been in with huge storms and then the smoke from those fires up in Quebec. But uh, people have had enough. You know, they don't want their vacation ruined. This is usually the summer vacations, the big family time. Those who are traveling, I wish them nothing but safety. And um, we just want to keep our fingers crossed and our toes. Yeah, so that was at Newark. At LaGuardia, it was the same thing. People complaining. My flight was canceled in Dallas. Through uh, Dallas, it was a disaster today. We were delayed, and then we were delayed more, and then we were canceled. The whole weekend was great, right up until it was time to go home. It got canceled. We don't know why, and they're not going to fly us out until two days from now, from what we've been told. Yeah, and the storm's being blamed for rough road travel to Wachong, New Jersey. The weather being investigated is a Factor in a crash that sent a car out of control. Long Island, the rain overwhelmed storm drains. Five inches fell just in Islip. Uh, actually, a police officer was hurt while directing traffic around some of that flooding when a van hit his cruiser. we being told he's going to be okay. Parts of uh, Westchester Putnam got a lot of rain. The wind was pretty, pretty fierce. Um, and, you know, once we saw the rain, you know, nonstop and it was like downpouring pretty heavily. Uh, that's where we started to kind of like scramble a little bit, check on our boats and stuff like that, and making sure that everything was okay. In New Jersey, Warren County got the worst of it. Power outages from the storms yesterday. The unsafe conditions uh, on roadway, some were washed away. Now they're working on getting the power back. We never saw this much rain wipe out roads up here than... In the last 28 years. Governor Murphy declaring a state of emergency amid that rainfall, intense uh, landslide, some road damage. I got six dogs, three horses, a rooster, a pig, and a wife. <laughs> I like the order of that. <laughs> the full house. 
Yeah, but uh, it's rough up here. All right, so here's the details we have now. few thousand without power checking in with JCPNL in Warren County. It's been a Herculean effort, but it's been unprecedented conditions that they found. If you have the road washed out, you've got to have the county come in, rebuild the road. Everything there has to be done and, and inspected and certified. We can come in at that point. Yeah, so maybe a while for the neighbors in Warren County to get the juice flowing. Took down a lot of trees. Then we get the storms last night that just compound that with this really unprecedented flooding. In total this weekend, we've had about 63,000 total customers affected, mostly in northern New Jersey. Right now, we're down about 2,700 customers. So better than 95% of everybody who has been affected this weekend has been restored already. Yeah, so the bad news for those people in Warren County is they may not get the power back for a couple days amid this heat and humidity. For everybody else, you should have the power back on this morning. WABC News Time 510, let's go out to Long Island. Everybody, that's all they wanted to talk about this weekend. The Gilgo Beach murder serial killer, the alleged serial killer taken into custody last week. The suspect charged in the deaths of three women, 59-year-old Rex Yorman, an architect and married father of two who lived in Massapequa Park. He's behind bars today. Yorman tied to the murders in part through DNA extracted from a discarded pizza crust. I guess he wasn't a big crust eater or maybe the pizza crust wasn't good on the place he ordered from. And a male hair found on a victim, as well as activity on a series of burner phones used to arrange meetings with the woman he allegedly murdered. All the neighbors wanted to do was talk to reporters all weekend to talk about this guy who they say kept to himself. He was an architect but lived in this bizarre, weird home. I think he was leading certainly a double life. Uh, you know, he had a series of burner phones, fictitious email accounts. The searcher uh, search for evidence expanded to a storage facility in Amityville over the weekend yesterday as police continue to build their case against Ewerman. Now, we got word that uh, they knew and had been following Kuerman for about a year until they made the arrest. And then we got word that they weren't really ready to make that arrest, but that he had made moves in the last couple of weeks that had them worried that he might strike again. And that's why they went in. So they're able to connect him to three women, maybe a fourth. There's just a mountain of evidence they say they have from what was a cluttered home that he lived in in Massapequa Park, where neighbors, as you might guess, continue to be totally freaked out. I would take the kids, you know, trick-or-treating for Halloween. And by the time we got to this block... It was just a bad vibe. Yeah, other neighbors say they would skip his house altogether. Ewerman, currently behind bars, charged first-degree murders and the deaths of uh, three women, maybe a fourth one. He's considered a prime suspect in a case of Maureen Barnard Barnes, but he wasn't charged in that case. It's just really unsettling knowing that something like this literally hits so close to home. It was a really hot day out, and he was outside in overalls, chopping wood in the driveway. He talked to us about how he does woodworking and building furniture, and his father used to build furniture. The victims in the case, there are 11 in total, including a man and a toddler, were mostly young women who were sex workers. Authorities have said... They have more than one person who may be responsible, have said more than one person may be responsible for the murders. But again, we're told that they cut this investigation short because they were afraid he was going to strike again. So then you wonder, 
could he be connected to the other women that had been found if they had more time? You would never know somebody like this would live just a couple doors down from you. He was quiet, very to himself. He's in a business suit with a briefcase, and he walks to the train station from, I guess, from his home. It's just unsettling to think that this man in your neighborhood did something like this. It's awful. It is upsetting, but you never know who lives next door to you. You don't, that's for sure. Uh, huge guy, right? He almost looked like a bad guy professional wrestler. Just sort of a scary-looking individual. Of course, more details are going to be found out. We're going to get more information. And as soon as we do, we will pass that on to you in a case that everybody is fascinated with. 514. Let's go on to the presidential campaign trail, the battle for the White House 2024. Former President Trump giving remarks this weekend at the Turning Point Action Conference down in Florida as he pitched to young voters why he should be back in the White House come 2024. In addition, I want to close the Department of Education and move education back to the states where it belongs and where parents have total control of their children's lives. Trump spoke on several key topics with younger voters, such as boosting the economy, closing the Department of Education, as you heard there. He went on to accuse Florida Governor Ron DeSantis of neglecting his home state as insurers leave the state due to a higher natural disaster risk. Here he explains that. And a gentleman named Ron DeSanctimonious at 14 percent. He's at 14 percent. And I don't know why he's not here this couple of days. But he should be here. He should be here representing himself. Trump says there are good people running against him. Not clear if any of them will be his uh, vice president if he gets that far. Get some very talented people. I've been impressed by some of them. Some of them I'm very friendly with, actually. The former president acknowledging some of the GOP candidates could have a role in his administration if he's elected. Uh, Ron DeSanctis, as I call him, or DeSanctimonious. He's in the teens now, and I'm at 50 and 60 and 65, and even I saw one today at 70. Yeah, so uh, he says he's not ruling out anybody, but he's not ruling in anybody as, uh, as he mounts this campaign. We're going to get into more. There's more on the Democratic side, the Republican side. We'll do that in a moment. But first, 515, a first check of sports. So we'll head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and say happy Monday, good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Monday, good morning to you as well. Noam Aladen, and it doesn't seem like much has changed over the All-Star break for our local ball clubs. Both the Mets and Yankees suffering convincing series losses over the weekend and their return to action. The Yanks couldn't take care of business in Colorado against the worst team in the National League, capping their weekend with an 8-7 to walk-off loss to the Rockies in the finale yesterday. Garrett Cole was his usual self on the bump for New York, going six very strong innings and only yielding one run on two hits. And it was once again the bullpen that dropped the ball for the Yanks, allowing the lowly Colorado bats to creep back in and steal this one late. And with the loss, New York sits in a tie with Boston now for last place in the AL East and nine games back of the first place raise while two games back of the final AL wildcard spot. They'll be in Los Angeles next to get a three-game set with the Angels underway. Set to begin tonight at 9.38 p.m. with Luis Severino taking the hill against L.A.'s Griffin Canning. As for the Mets, they took four straight losses in their finale yesterday at home against the L.A. Dodgers. And thanks to this walk-off single off the bat of Luis Guillorme, they were able to salvage the last of three to avoid the sweep in the form of a 2-1 to one walk-off victory. Runs this off and it's hit over the bat. That's a fair ball down the line and the Mets will win the game. Gets the base hit to bring in the winner in the bottom of the tenth, and the Mets win the game two to one to put an end to this 
dastardly four-game losing streak. That call courtesy of SNY. The Mets will try and build on the win in interleague play against the Chicago White Sox, set to be in town tonight for the first of three at City Field. First pitch tonight is set for 7.10 p.m. with Carlos Carrasco getting the call against Chicago's Lucas Giolito. And finally, Wimbledon has come and gone with two brand-new winners to speak of. For the women, it was Czech Republic's uh, Marquis, uh, Marquette Vontrusova taking the title over Tunisia's Ons Jabir, while 20-year-old world number one and now budding superstar Carlos Alcarez took home the men's honor with his stunning victory yesterday over Novak Djokovic. Here are sports on 77 WABC No, I'm Justin Ellick. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, hot, humid, high 88. Tonight overnight, partly cloudy, low 75. And then Tuesday, it'll be sun to start the day, but then scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon, high 86. It is 73 and misty right here, 520. Let's go back to the campaign trail. Ron DeSantis's presidential campaign going to fire about a dozen staffers in what could be the first of several major cuts to his political team. On Saturday, it was reported his campaign had fired roughly 12 mid-level staffers across several departments. Sources say despite raising $20 million during the first six weeks of the campaign, there's an internal belief that DeSantis hired too many staffers too early and costs need to be brought down. More layoffs are expected within the next few weeks in what looks to be a major campaign shakeup. I'm Chris Caraggio. Yeah, not good news for Ron DeSantis. Former Vice President Mike Pence facing questions from conservatives over his strong support of U.S. assistance to Ukraine in its war with Russia. Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Pence sat down for an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson in Des Moines over the the weekend, Carlson pressing Pence over his stance on Ukraine, claiming American cities have become much worse over the past several years. Pence says he supports giving Ukraine billions of dollars in aid. You are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. Yeah, I don't know if Mike Pence is happy he did this, went through with this Tucker Carlson interview. Uh, It is not the clips from this thing. None of it sounds great. Anybody that says that we can't be the leader of the free world and solve our problems at home has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. We can do both. All right, he wasn't the only one out over the weekend. One 2024 GOP presidential hopeful says... He has no interest in running as a third-party group's candidate. Because I think it's a fool's errand. That's former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie said he would not want to be the no-labels candidate for president. Now, I don't know if they asked him to, but Christie dismissed third-party candidates in general, saying the president will always be either a Democrat or Republican. There are only two people who will get elected president of the United States in November of 24, the Republican nominee for president and the Democratic nominee for president. And Christie says the No Labels Party intention might be to hurt former President Trump if he makes it as the GOP nominee. We saw this with Ross Perot. We saw this um, later uh, with Ralph Nader. You never quite know who you're going to hurt in that process. All right, let's go to the Democratic side. Presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. under fire after suggesting COVID-19 was designed to be 
ethnically targeted. At a New York dinner this weekend, he was reported to have claimed there was evidence that COVID was manufactured to attack certain races while mostly avoiding others. RFK Jr. was reported to have also said Caucasians and black people were more prone to the disease, while Jewish and Chinese people were less affected by it. Later, he said the New York Post story was mistaken and that he was actually talking about government-manufactured bioweapons. I'm Jacqueline Carl, NBC News Radio, New York. President Biden spending the weekend at Camp David along with First Lady Jill Biden. The visit to the presidential retreat in the Maryland mountains follows a whirlwind trip to Europe where Biden took part in the NATO summit. On Friday, the president's re-election campaign reported raising $72 million in the second quarter. That topped the combined fundraising totals of former President Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, the leading candidates in the Republican presidential primary. I'm Julie Ryan. 523 could be a tough week for the Biden family. Two IRS whistleblowers claiming the Justice Department slow-walked its investigation into Hunter Biden will publicly testify before Congress. IRS investigator Gary Shapley and a second unnamed individual will appear before the House Oversight Committee Wednesday. Shapley told lawmakers the president's son received preferential treatment in his tax and gun case and claimed DOJ officials refused to follow evidence that may have implicated President Biden. Hunter Biden last month reached a plea deal with prosecutors that would require guilty pleas on two misdemeanor tax charges. I'm Brian Shook. 524, let's stay down in D.C. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan over the weekend defending the plan to provide cluster bombs to Ukraine. Our moral authority has not derived from being a signatory to the Convention Against Cluster Munitions. Sullivan says neither the U.S. or Ukraine signed the Convention Against Cluster Munitions, uh, which was agreed to by about 100 other countries. We are not, we have not been at any point since that convention came into effect. Neither has Ukraine. And Sullivan says if they do supply these bombs, he does not believe the U.S. will lose its moral authority around the world. Our moral authority and Ukraine's moral authority in this conflict comes from the fact that we are supporting a country under brutal, vicious attack by its neighbor. All right. And while we're talking about overseas, senators from both sides of the aisle believe NATO will likely expand into Asia at some point. And our Asian allies are looking very closely to what has happened with Ukraine. Illinois. Democrat Tammy Duckworth there, Alaska Republican Dan Sullivan, speaking on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday. Sullivan, who was part of a U.S. Senate delegation at last week's NATO summit, says the Prime Minister of Japan and the President of Korea were at the summit. There is a greater need to participate uh, themselves in NATO as, as well as NATO allies coming back into the Indo-Pacific region. Senator Sullivan says the delegation met at the NATO summit with some Asian leaders, all he thinks positive news. The Prime Minister... Yeah of Japan, Prime Minister of Australia, the President of Korea? Oh, I think it is. It wasn't just the mention of China several times, almost 20 times on my count. 526, this escaped prisoner we told you about all last week, behind bars, escaped prisoner Michael Burham has been captured following a week-long hunt for the dangerous fugitive. Pennsylvania State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens says officials were just waiting to capitalize on an error from Burham. Now, Burham had escaped this prison, was had survivalist skills. Uh, went deep into the woods next to this prison, they could not find him. They would come upon campsites where 
He had set up fires, but they were always a couple hours, maybe a day behind. But they knew he'd make an error, and he did. He came out into the open and was spotted by an individual. It's in the area, one of the portions of the area, that we have been pushing hard. And as I said to you, that's been our strategy all along, is to push him hard, to have him make a mistake. He finally did. Yeah, eventually they do. Police say the murder suspect who had those survivalist skills busted out of Pennsylvania jail through the roof. An official who watched actually the surveillance video of the breakout says he looked like a spider as he escaped. I imagine he'll be in a cell that'll be much tougher to get out to now that he has been captured. We are just getting started on this early Monday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. The weather has been the big story here, no doubt, all summer long. It's the case around much of the rest of the country as well, gripped by a heat wave that does not look like it's going away anytime soon. We'll get into that story before the morning is out. Did you see the SAG AFTRA actors on the picket line outside Rockefeller Center over the weekend? Uh, the Hollywood Studios and SAG AFTRA say they're nowhere near making an agreement, but we'll tell you what what they're asking for and some new things are on the table. We'll get to that. United Airlines workers have reached an agreement with their unionized pilot, uh, pilots. Wait till you hear how much they're now going to make. And um, Mayor Adams is set to announce his next police commissioner this morning. We'll tell you who that is. That and more coming up. But first, this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. The power of information. The freedom to talk about it. With New York Attitude. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Monday, July 17th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds, hot, humid today. High 88. Tonight, overnight, partly cloudy low 75 and then tuesday sunshine to start the day but then scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon high 86 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 72 and partly cloudy in new square up in rockland county 70 and cloudy in hackettstown down in new jersey and it is 73 and misty here in midtown which kind of means it's foggy uh let's jump in this half hour we'll start with mayor adams who is expected to name Edward Caban as the first Latino police commissioner at a ceremony this morning. It'll take place at the 40th precinct in the Bronx where Caban started his career back in 1991. Caban will be the department's first Latino commissioner. He has served as the acting police commissioner since July 1th. Uh, Keyshawn Sewell stepped down on June 30th. He and three of his brothers joined the police department with their dad's encouragement. So this is a police family. Former NYPD chief of detectives Robert Boyce telling WABC that he's happy with this decision. It's a very, very large deal. It sends a, sends a message to the men and women of the NYPD that one of theirs is ascended to this rank. 
I've known Ed Caban for many, many years. He's a rock-solid executive on his way up when I knew him, and now he's ascending to this level. Yeah, there was an interesting moment uh, as he was acting as police commissioner, acting as police commissioner, Caban racing to a Bronx hospital earlier this month to visit with the family of a five-year-old who had been shot. I'm here first and foremost as a parent to show support. And also talk to the parents, let them know they have the full weight and support of the NYP behind them. Former NYPD Chief of Detective Robert Boyce again saying that uh, cops will love this decision, that one of their own has made it to the top spot. Crime is the issue. The cops already have already like him. He can walk amongst men and women. That's big. Uh, they, they, he's well respected. I've never heard a bad word about him. Uh, so he's got that already. He has to win over other New Yorkers as well. All right. So Mayor Adams announcement and Caban's historic appointment take place this morning at 10 a.m. All right. 534. Uh, the um, man accused in the Gilgo Beach murders. Uh, lots of people talking about this over the weekend. D.A. Ray Tierney, he's going to be on with Sid later this morning. We'll probably get more details on this case from him as he sits live in studio with uh, Sid later this morning, but uh, it was all the talk, of course, in Massapequa Park, where he lived. All the talk, no matter where you went across the tri-state. They, they all did the same thing for a living. Uh, they all advertised the same way. Uh, and there were uh, immediately there were similarities with regard uh, to the to the uh, the crime scenes. Yeah, that's uh, Ray Tierney talking about how they had tied this all together. Uh, they took DNA from pizza crust, from hair, from uh, this uh, from Rex Uerman. Uh, the attorney says Hewerman used burner phones to communicate with victims, looked up their family members, compulsively searched the case on his phone, on his home PC. That was part of the reason they were able to tie them to all this. Rex Hewerman is a demon that walks among us, a predator that ruined families. Yeah, and the interesting, well, there's so many interesting things about this case, but one of them is a lot of the work was done under the secrecy of a grand jury as they went to file charges against Rex Hewerman. They've been following him for almost a year, and we got word, and we're going to ask Ray Tierney this later. I'll ask Sid to ask him this. We got word they didn't really want to make the arrest last week, but they thought he might act out again, so they went in to stop him. So he's tied to three women, maybe a fourth, but could be that maybe he'll be tied to more, but this case was pulled early. I'll, I'll be curious to hear what he has to say about because that. Because we knew that this one person would be watching, and we didn't want to give him uh, any insight into what we were doing. And we also didn't want him to know just how close we were getting. Yeah, uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul commending the law enforcement following the arrest, saying they did a great job. They sure did. But this is a day that is a long time in coming, and hopefully a day that will bring peace to this community and to the families, peace that has been long overdue. Yeah. So, um Charged in connection with what's called the Gilgo Four after the bodies of four women in their 20s were discovered in 2010. I mean, this case really is a long time coming. Uh, Massapequa Park neighbors, of course, freaked out that this neighbor who lived in a dilapidated house but was an architect during the day, which seemed awfully strange that he lived in such a rundown house but during the day was designing buildings and houses for other people uh, neighbors you know as you might guess freaked out by it and all. a lot of families whose lives have been just turned upside down always wondering questioning what happened and will the perpetrator ever be brought to justice 
Hopefully after further news is unveiled today that the answer will be yes. Yeah, well, they'll get their answer, and they're getting their answers. Again, Ray Tierney going to be on with the uh, Suffolk County DA with Sid uh, later this morning during Sid and Friends in the Morning. WABC News Time 539. Much of a beach weekend, at least for sure. Yesterday it was just a washout. But over the weekend, Governor Hochul says that she's going to distribute 60 drones to beach communities along uh, Long Island, Westchester, New York City to look for sharks in the water so people aren't afraid to go into the water. And if the message can get out to the sharks, we are watching. We're watching from land and sea and air. So it's a part of a $1 million effort to combat shark encounters at the beaches and make it so people aren't afraid to go to the beach. So it's also not a coincidence that today is National Shark Awareness Day. (laughs) They've got a day for everything. Yeah, I'd never heard of that either. It's also the training and certification that has to follow that. So those are the steps we're taking. And we want to make sure that... uh, None of our communities ever appear on Shark Week, which premieres at the end of the month. Yeah, so uh, they'll get those drones in the air. Of course, they have to train the people how to use them first. Nearly one in five workers saying that they have a toxic workplace. Those are numbers that have not been seen in a while. A new poll by the American Psychological Association shows that those who reported a toxic work environment are three times as likely as those in healthy workplaces to say their mental health has taken a hit due to their job. CEO of the APA, Arthur Evans, calls the amount of those who are dealing with such an environment, quote, troubling. The poll also shows a significant jump in those who experienced workplace harassment from last year when only 14% said they experienced it. This year, it's 22%. Danny DiCrescenzo, WABC News. All right, we don't report it a lot, but the migrants, or as much as we used to anyway, the migrants still continue to come into the city. It's not the thousands that were coming before from the U.S.-Mexico border bust up here from Texas, but it is in the hundreds uh there are probably about the number fluctuates but we'll go with 53,000 migrants remain in the city's care today that's pretty accurate and the efforts to find locations to place them continue queensboro president donovan richards says that two sites in his borough are being looked at now the creedmoor psychiatric center and the aqueduct racetrack are being considered as potential sites for tent shelters where some of these migrants would go got a late night message from the administration on the possibilities of aqueduct in creedmoor and we're waiting more information i believe there will be walkthroughs uh, with state and city agencies in the upcoming days. So neighbors who live near the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center uh, and live near the racetrack say they're not necessarily opposed to putting migrants in tent cities there, but they say it's a transit uh, desert. It's hard to get anywhere from there without a car. There are There is absolutely no transportation, no stores. I just am not sure that a project of this size is going to be fair, forget the residents, but to the migrants that they're actually going to be putting there because there's no access for them to go anywhere. Now the answer is where to put these migrants that continue to come in by the hundreds during the week. Uh, Donovan Richards saying they're still, they're welcome in Queens as long as they can find space for them. All of the sites present uh, uh, a lot of challenges because Queens is a transit desert. Uh, and then in terms of investments, we need to school see, you know, as we talk about school seats, 
as we talk about ensuring that they have opportunities for workforce development, these are all things that need to be taken into account no matter where the site is at. It's not clear how soon or how fast these tents will go up. 543, let's go out to Philadelphia. The weather, the big story really all across the country, uh, but three people were killed there over the weekend. Flash flooding by the heavy rain we saw yesterday. Flash flood is over. We have assets in the creek. Search and rescue are physically walking the creek banks and in the creek were accessible. That's a fire chief saying 100 people are assessing the damages to their home. National Weather Service says four and a half inches of rain fell in just two hours. Three confirmed fatalities and four are missing. Damage assessment teams are out right now assessing the damage not only to the roads, but also to any homes that might have been affected by this. Yeah, and those are the storms that we saw uh, yesterday. The heat wave that's blanketing much of the country is not going away anytime soon. And this, again, is where it gets concerning. We're looking at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, still looking at so many triple digits. Phoenix 116 on Monday, 115 on Tuesday, Wednesday 115. Yeah, meteorologist Michelle Grossman, there's a Salt Lake City will be in the triple digits. Las Vegas could set a record. Current heat wave temperatures are about 10 to 20 degrees warmer than they should be this time of year. Limit your time outdoors or just avoid going outdoors if you don't have to. And making sure you're staying hydrated and if making sure you can find adequate cooling. If you're unable to, there's a lot of cities that have cooling centers. Phoenix hit really hard. The mayor of Phoenix suburb blaming the record heat wave on a lack of rainstorms the area normally sees this time of year. You have to top out, you know, some high temperatures in the middle of July. But other than that, the weather is actually a bonus for us. Mesa Republican Mayor John Gill says residents expect temperatures of 110 degrees or more during the summer, but not for as long a period as the area is currently experienced. They're about to break a record for the most days in a row of over 110 degrees, which is just nuts. We're used to several days over 110, even even days in the high teens. But this is unusual because of the weeks-long duration of it. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be hot there all again this week. 545, let's head over to the 77W ABC Sports Desk. Here's Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Layden. Start here on the diamond. Doesn't seem like much changed over the All-Star break for our local ball teams with both the Mets and Yankees suffering convincing series losses over the weekend in their return to action. The Yanks couldn't take care of business in Colorado against the worst team in the National League, capping their weekend with an 8-7 to walk-off loss to the Rockies in the finale yesterday. Garrett Cole was his usual self on the bump for New York, going six very strong innings and only yielding one run on two hits. It was once again the bullpen that dropped the ball for the Yanks, allowing the lowly Colorado bats to creep back in and steal this one late. With the loss, New York sits in a tie now with Boston for last place in the AL East and nine games back of the first-place race, while two games back of the final AL wildcard spot. They'll be in Los Angeles next to get a three-game set with the Angels underway, set to begin tonight at 9.38 p.m., with Luis Severino taking the hill against L.A.'s Griffin Canning. As for the Mets, they took four straight losses into their finale yesterday at home against the L.A. Dodgers, and thanks to this walk-off single off the bat of Luis Guillaume, were able to salvage the last of three to avoid the sweep in the form of a 2-1 to walk-off victory. This off and it's hit over the bag. That's a fair ball down the line, and the Mets will win the game. Feeney comes in with the winning run. Luis Guillaume couldn't get the butt down, but he gets the base hit to bring in the winner in the bottom of the tenth, and the Mets win the game 2-1 to to put an end to this dastardly four-game losing streak. That call, courtesy of SNY, the Mets will try and build on the win in interleague play against the Chicago White Sox, set to be in town tonight for the first of three at City Field 
First pitch is set for 7.10 p.m. tonight with Carlos Carrasco getting the call against uh, Chicago's Lucas Giolito. And finally, Wimbledon has come and gone with two brand-new winners to speak of. For the women, it was the Czech Republic's Market Vondrasova uh, taking the title over Tunisia's Anz Jabir, while 20-year-old world number one and now budding superstar Carlos Alcaraz took home the men's honor with his stunning victory yesterday over Novak Djokovic. Here was Sports Gnome on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. Let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. It was the torrential downpours yesterday led to flash flooding, power outages, delays across the tri-state. The delays from drenching thunderstorms affected arrivals and departures. These people were stuck at Newark yesterday. The flight was supposed to leave at 7. It didn't leave until, like, 1. We were stuck in Panama. And well, we finally made it. See if we could get there to Miami and um, jump on that cruise and celebrate his birthday. If not, then we still going to rock out like rock stars, right? As we heard from Joe Nolan just a few moments ago, better news at the airport so far this morning. Not a lot of delays, not a lot of cancellations. Those, these people who were waiting yesterday hopefully will get on a flight today. Those who are traveling, I wish them nothing but safety. And um, we just going to keep our fingers crossed and our toes. Yeah, uh, at LaGuardia, it was the same thing. My flight was canceled in Dallas. Through Dallas, it was a disaster today. We were delayed, and then we were delayed more, and then we were canceled. The whole weekend was great, right up until it was time to go home. It got canceled. We don't know why, and they're not going to fly us out until two days from now, from what we've been told. Yes, yeah, so some of those people have to wait a couple days till they get on vacation or back home. Long Island, the rain Overwhelming storm drains on a bunch of roads. Five inches of rain fell in Islip. A police officer hurt there while directing traffic around flooding. A van, a rental van, hit his cruiser. Uh, thankfully, he's going to be okay. But uh, people watching the water rise there. The wind was pretty, pretty fierce. Um, and, you know, once we saw the rain, you know, nonstop, and it was, like, downpouring pretty heavily, uh, that's where we started to kind of, like, scramble a little bit, check on our boats and stuff like that, and making sure that everything was okay. And a place that definitely did not read the rain, the Hudson Valley, parts of Westchester, Putnam County, also getting a lot of rain, flooding highways. The Taconic was flooded for a while. Several trees came crashing down in Hawthorne on the property of a home in New Jersey. Warren County got the worst of it. Power outages from the storms both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, some roads washed away. A landslide. You never hear about that here. Uh, the uh, power out still for many this morning. We never saw this much rain wipe out roads up here than in the last 28 years. Governor Murphy declaring a state of emergency yesterday, saying the rainfall as intensive what they seen was going to cause an, uh, expensive damage to infrastructure. We saw that it did. Uh, lots of people checking out that damage yesterday. So I got six dogs, three horses, a rooster, a pig, and a wife. <laughs> the full house. Yeah. yeah. But it's rough up here. Yeah, and it may be for a couple of days in Warren County. A few thousand people still without power. Here's a spokesman from JCPNL, which is the utility supplier up there. It's been a Herculean effort, but it's been unprecedented conditions that they found. If you have the road washed out, you've got to have the county come in, rebuild the road. Everything there has to be done and, and inspected and certified. We yeah. can come in at that point. Yeah, it's not a good day not to have the power. It's going to be awfully warm. Took down a lot of trees. Then we get the storms last night that just compound that with this really unprecedented flooding. In total this weekend, we've had about 63,000 total customers affected, mostly in northern New Jersey. Right now, we're down about 2,700 customers, so better than 95% 
of everybody who has been affected this weekend has been restored already. Yeah, and we were just looking at the numbers now. It is in that 2000 range. Most of them are in Warren County. And this heat wave that's been felt uh, across a lot of the country, not really here. We've been just getting that wet weather. But uh, beaches and ponds and lakes in Florida, the temperatures are so warm that fish are dying off. It's so hot. When the water's very hot and you're actually exerting and, and you're swimming, you can end up getting problems with heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't think you'd get heat exhaustion from being in the water, but apparently it is not very cool down in Florida. A brutal heat wave affecting millions of Americans from the West coast to the gulf coast this uh texas woman says it's just too much for her to handle very overwhelming and high yeah uh that's the complaint everywhere sat down on a sidewalk waiting for the bus and i guess the pavement was hot enough so that it got a burn yeah uh, he ended up in the hospital from sitting on a sidewalk jeez wabc news time 554 if ups workers take to the picket line it could be one of the costliest strikes in history, and they're threatening just to do that. The Michigan-based Anderson Economic Group predicts that in the case of a 10-day work stoppage, the economy could lose $7 billion. A strike would delay millions of deliveries, including prescription drugs. Roughly 340,000 UPS workers are union-represented. Talks are deadlocked with unions pushing for better pay for part-time workers. The Teamsters have voted to strike if UPS does not reach a deal with the union before the current contract expires on July 31st. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. Of course, the writers and actors from SAG-AFTRA, they uh, took to the picket line on Friday. A former movie, movie studio head predicts disaster if actors and writers' strikes aren't settled right away. If, in fact, it doesn't get settled until Christmas or so, then next year, there's not going to be many programs for anybody to watch. That's Barry Diller, who suggests a September 1st settlement deadline similar to a strike deadline. Diller says the biggest obstacle is there is no trust between the Alliance of Motion Pictures and television producers and the unions. AI, which I think is just overhyped to death in terms of the worries that uh, actors and writers are going to be replaced. Diller uh, suggested the studio executives and the highest paid actors take a 25% pay cut as a good faith measure. That's kind of interesting. Both the executives and the most paid actors should take a 25% pay cut and narrow the difference between those who get highly paid and those that don't. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they'll go for that. But that's kind of an interesting idea. And... uh uh, as we leave this uh, final story for this morning, it's kind of a sad one. Heartbroken colleagues and friends mourning the loss of a CBS New York meteorologist, Elise Finch. You know, Elise Finch, um, she had done weekends for a number of years as the forecaster. Recently, she'd been promoted to do weekday mornings. And um, we don't know what happened, but she died over the weekend in the hospital. She was 51 years old. Here's how they announced it on CBS yesterday. Tonight, is, it is with profound sadness that we want to share the news of the passing of our beloved Elise Finch. Elise has been a friend and a team member at WCBS for 16 years. First, as our weekend 
weekend meteorologist with Steve and me, and most recently in the mornings. Elise was a gifted and consummate professional who took great care with her work. She was also a wonderful ambassador in the community, including her hometown of Mount Vernon. But above all, Elise was a fiercely loving and devoted mother to Grace and a wife to Greg, who we join in grieving this tremendous loss. Yeah, you can hear even the anchor getting choked up as she delivered the news yesterday on CBS, talking with somebody there over the weekend. Nobody seemed to know what happened. Uh, she was on last week, then in the hospital over the weekend and passed away. Just a terrible story. Elise Finch leaves behind a child husband, just 51 years old. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.